0: Instilling hard work, I mean, in a microwave society that we live in, where people try and get everything really, really quick, there is just no substitute for
1: hard work. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddie. Sponsored by Cordell & Cordell, a partner men can count on. CordellCordell.com 866-DADS-LAW. What's going on, everybody? to here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very lucky to have this gentleman to chat about fatherhood, about podcasting, his radio career, football, all that good stuff. It's none other than Mike Golick. Thanks for taking the time, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to chatting with you about football. Obviously, the season's coming up. We all are excited. We're going to talk a little bit about college. Notre Dame, I was born in South Bend. So we'll talk a little Uh bit about that good stuff. (laughs) I knew you'd appreciate it. I was almost thinking about breaking out my starter. Remember the baseball, like in the 90s, they had like the baseball jerseys. And it was like ripped. I'm like, should I wear that or is that too Homer? (laughs) That might be too much of a Homer wearing that with you. (laughs) Never Homer enough. Did you go to high school out here? No, no, no. I was born just like in South Bend. And then like, like even before like grade school, we moved back to college, but like my dad would say like, you'd appreciate this as a football, you know, someone who played in the NFL and covers football. Right. So my, my dad and my mom and my sisters were born in Buffalo. So Buffalo bills, right. That's just huge. My dad became a Niners fan because Joe Montana was playing run around the time I was, I was born in South Bend and he would be, like, mowing the lawn. He'd hear the, you know, the band and the crowd and all that other stuff. And he was just like, I love this Joe. Mont." He he said, like, they were watching the game. Then they had to go to church. And then, like, he came back. And, like, Joe Montana brought him back. He's like, I thought I, they were totally out of it. Like, what yeah. happened? So he he followed his career. And I just, as as Bonnie with my dad, we became Niners fans. And my mom and my sisters, like, they were still Bills fans. But I oh, appreciate yeah. that story, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you
0: got to stick with your allegiance.
1: No doubt. So... We, I mean, I know we're talking a little bit about football, but let's talk about your father journey. I love the fact that you talk, you know, you have a podcast with your family. You and Junior work together, too, on podcasts as well. Talk a little bit about when you found out you were going to be a dad. What was going through your mind, man?
0: Well, I mean, listen, it was something that that I always wanted to be. And, you know, you find a partner, as I did, it, with my wife, Chris. That she always wanted a family. I always wanted a family. And, and we got married, I think, my third year in the league. Um, so it was 87 that we got married and we knew we wanted to start having kids right away. And we had all our, all our kids by the time, I think I was 31 or 32. Uh, We had Mike in 89, Jake in 90, and then Sydney in 94. So, I mean, listen, it was a, it was a natural thing for us to want to do, but in like anything else, you're not prepared for something you've never done. You know, you you'll get advice from everybody. Uh, but until you experience yourself, the most daunting moment is when you have your first child and they're in the hospital and, you know, and you feed the baby and then they take the baby and you're, you you know, mom gets a good night's sleep and I went home and slept and they, you feed the baby and they take the baby. And then all of a sudden you bring the baby home and you walk in that door and you're like, wow, it's all on us now. this this little a nine pound ball of flesh is completely reliant on every single thing we do. So it gets pretty daunting, but you know, you just you just get into a routine.
1: No doubt. Like, yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that because one of the things like early on my oldest, she was born in uh, the wintertime in February. And we lived in New Jersey at the time. And it was cold. And my wife was just like, she was finally able to get out and like go somewhere. And she's like, I'm just going to walk to the Dunkin' yep. Donuts and just get a coffee. You okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm, f- I'm fine. And it was just me and my daughter. I'm like, oh, what do I do? Don't yeah. do anything bad. Like <laughs> all that stuff, right?
0: And even if you're not fine, you say you're fine because I mean, hell, they're the ones giving birth. So if they need a little <laughs> space and a little time, you give it to them. I, uh, Mike and Jake were born only about, uh, 15 months apart. Oh, wow. So they were, they were close. Uh, and they were born in September and then December, but I went to one training camp one time in Philly, uh, and I was there and this was back when training camps actually were, you know, four or five weeks, solid five weeks long. So you're gone. Yeah, And I'll never forget coming home from one of those. And the boys were like, two and one or three and two, whatever. They were a handful and they were close in age. And I opened the door and she just handed me both kids and walked upstairs. And I'm like, okay, I got the boys now. I'm going to take care of them. You go do your thing. You come back down whenever you need because it's your world.
1: <laughs> a different version of two a days, right?
0: <laughs> yes. Yes. I think I, I, I at that point, I think I'd have rather gone back and on the football field.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Uh talk a little bit about I mean obviously with just football radio you're in you know the radio hall of fame and you know you're podcasting now and you're doing so much. Talk a little bit about like I know hard work obviously is probably the uh, work ethic and like values but talk a little bit about some of the other values you're looking to instill into them.
0: Oh, uh, hard work is certainly one of those things and and really to be a close family and be there. You know, my dad, I mean my dad played football in the CFL and then um you know, this is back when there wasn't a lot of money in it. My brother Bob was born, Greg was born, and I was on the way. So my bro- my dad retired from football to get a normal job, you know, that probably paid more than uh, the CFL back in the 50s, you know, in, in early 60s. And, you know, he, worked, he was a bricklayer. I mean, he worked hard, but he coached us in our little league stuff. The first thing we did uh, competitively was swim at the local uh, park in the summer, and then uh, YMCA in the winter. And my mom was kind of ran that show, she took us there. And she was involved, scoring, you know, doing all the different things and helping. But what I remember most is they were there. And listen, I completely understand it's very difficult for everybody to be there all the time, because people have work, it's hard to do. But you know, my dad was, uh, even we did side, he did side jobs on the weekends but he would do it around our games that he coached and and that's the one thing I wanted to do and my wife and I is we wanted to be there and support our kids in all they did so while I had an early wake-up call for 23 years of 4 15 in the morning it was actually fine because what I missed was you're gonna miss some parts of your kids lives that's just the way it's gonna go I missed the mornings. I missed them getting up and getting ready for school. And like my wife said, you ain't missing much. They're tired. They're eating their cereal or whatever. And then they're getting on the bus. <laughs> so I was done by 10 o'clock in the morning, you know, at ESPN doing that morning show. So I became the lunch dad at their school and grade school. I coached them and all their little league things, which is, it was in the evening. Cause I wasn't doing anything then. And, but then I would go and I would call games on the weekend, college games. So, I missed some of that when they were younger. And I, and I had told ESPN, I said, as soon as my first ones start to get into sports that are on the weekends, I'm done calling college games. I'm just going to do Mike and Mike during the week uh, and then to have my weekends free. So once that happened, I stopped doing college games. I took about a 15 year hiatus of doing college games until all the kids were through Notre Dame and I could go back to it. But that's probably one of the things I want we wanted our kids to see is we would always be there and always support them and then yeah, I mean instilling hard work, I mean in a microwave society that we live in where people try and get everything really really quick, there is just no substitute for hard work and, and I my kids had goals both boys wanted to play at Notre Dame and the NFL Sydney wanted to swim at Notre Dame and I told them at a young age I said, just what my parents told me you're going to have to sacrifice things. You know, going out sometimes hanging out with your friends or just sitting around and, and, and watching TV. You're going to have to do schoolwork uh, when you don't want to. You're going to have to do extra work physically uh, for your sport when you don't want to. But you want to do the goal. I don't have a magic pill to get you there. But what I do have is uh, kind of a roadmap to at least get it doesn't guarantee you getting there, but it's going to give you the best shot. To get there because i was fortunate enough to have my dad go through it my brothers go through it and i went through it so uh, that that's what i said i said there is no escaping hard work we will support you 100 in everything you do but you are the ones that have to sacrifice and put in the work to get where you want to go
1: love it and i don't know if you did this subconsciously but being the lunch dad in elementary school and grade school because i remember doing that like i work from home and i kind of like left my uh career in radio just because my wife and i one of us want to stay home and she works in the medical device field i was like you're more stable than i am yeah there you go (laughs) yeah Yeah. so i love doing that but as immediately as soon as they got in from elementary school to grade school uh, uh to middle school like Don't bring me lunch anymore. I don't, I don't care if it's when. like, don't just don't come in. So you, I don't know if you subconsciously did that, but it's just funny. I just picked up on that. (laughs) Well, I mean,
0: when I went there, what the difference was, you know, you you certainly go through that. Every parent goes through that when a kid all of a sudden doesn't want to hug or doesn't (laughs) want to see around. But the one thing that, that worked in my favor is in coaching the kids in little league baseball, little league football. When I went there, I knew all the kids. So it wasn't like I was just seeing my boys going, you know, there. I was seeing other kids that I coached in the at night. So it was it was kind of fun that way. So i I didn't run much into Dad. Don't look at me when you come in school. <laughs> you know, don't come over to me. Don't embarrass me. So it, it was fun. I mean, that was that was some of the great stuff that that I I got to see because, you know, and I talked about this at my daughter's wedding. Um, while we all love milestones for our kids. You know, when they first walk, they get their first A. Uh, If they're in sports, when they achieve something in sports, they get into the school they want, their marriage, their kid. I said, there's a lot of milestones. I said, but what makes up those milestones is the moments along the way, is to to really cherish those moments that lead to the milestones. The milestones are great, but man, those moments, you know, driving my daughter to swim practice and her – being basically so well-versed in 70s music because of it, you know, those great moments, we'd be singing 70s songs, you know? I mean, just moments like that. Same with the boys in certain aspects that that you remember those sometimes even more than the milestones.
1: Nice. Just maybe give me and other parents listening to this a glimmer of hope. So I coached my daughters in like, you know, basketball and baseball and all that other <clears> stuff. But I had co-coaches and it was great, right? Because you kind of – did even though you, obviously your sons knew, like, all right, my dad played in the NFL, was great in college, great in the NFL. Did they sometimes, when you would give them like coaching advice, they would they would they listen to like the other coach more than you, or how would that work?
0: Well, yeah, they they absolutely would because I I tried, I was coaching things that I I shouldn't have been coaching. Like okay. when when we came to ESPN, which is in Connecticut, you know, the boys played baseball like they did. We were in Arizona before that, they were playing baseball. And then, and I could, you know, pretty much every kid played baseball growing up and everybody knows baseball. So you can manage little league baseball, right? You can manage little league basketball, but they played, they picked up lacrosse here, which I love by the way. And they were like, wait a minute, we're bigger than everybody. And we can hit people and hit them with a stick. And I'm like, yeah. And they said, okay, we're done with baseball, (laughs) but I didn't know lacrosse. So, but of course I wanted to be an assistant coach but I was an assistant coach basically with a muzzle on because <laughs> I didn't know the game. Like the coach knew the game. So I, you know, I was bringing water to the kids, you know, and doing the menial jobs, but I was fine with it. Cause I was there with them, yeah. but I couldn't even pretend to try and coach it. And then for Jake in basketball, Jake was like six, four by seventh grade, dunking the wow. ball. I mean, he's the best athlete in the family. And by that point, you're into travel basketball. It's starting to get a little more serious. And quite honestly, the best thing that happened at that point is there was a non-parent, two guys that were not parents of anybody on the team who coached the team. So there was none of that parenting stuff. You just let them go with those other coaches and just sat and watched. And I did that in high school, too, because a lot of people, you know, in football were like, oh, wow, did you get involved? I said, no. I said, listen, I had them at home. I worked them out in the summer. We watched film after games. I did all that, but I said when they were at high school at practice or games, I sat in the stands. Now, if a, if the coach said, "Hey, can you come out to practice one time and show kids, you know, how to take on a double team," blah blah blah, whatever, I'm more than happy to. But I never inserted myself in there. I wanted to let them and the coaches uh, do their thing. Uh, but I, so I and when I started coaching little league, I remember my dad telling me, he said, "The worst thing you're going to run into." is other parents. <laughs> he said, they're the worst. And man, was he right. And the worst I saw in all honesty, and I didn't coach my daughter in this because I didn't know enough about it, is was little league soccer. They were like the Connecticut state champs for U 12 or whatever. They had a good team and they had a, a coach who was a parent, but he was a good guy, yeah. you know, and, and coaching everybody. But the parents on the other side of the field, they never shut up. They all thought their kids were the next Mia Hams. Me and my wife literally moved our chairs to the end. And if we had a Switzerland flag, we would have put it in the ground. We were like, leave us out of this. We want no part of this. And I only blew up one time. Some dude, one a parent, not a coach, yelled at my daughter. And I was like, okay. I said, we've hit a point here. I said, you shut up. You say one thing about my daughter again, and you're not going to be able to talk for a while. Yeah. I said, that's for the coaches. Let them coach. Don't my daughter doesn't need another person in her ear. You know, I said it very gently but sternly. And that was really the only time I had a run in. But man, my dad was right. Parents can be the absolute worst in Little League.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. We're we're at a YMCA basketball league. I'm coaching my oldest daughter. we got the girls, me and this other guy, Frank, we're coaching them during a timeout. It's kind of towards the end of the game, and it was, like, close. All of a sudden, one of the daughter's dads, like, hey, I forgot her name, but he's like, come here. And we're like, we all look out of the, the, the huddle. and like, what are you doing? Like, I got to tell my daughters what to do. And we're like, we got this. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? I mean, and, and so when I coached the Little League
0: team, I got at the first practice – I got the kids together, and I got the parents together. I said, everybody come in. I said, here's the deal. I said, I don't care if we win a game. I said, so if you want little Jimmy or little Johnny to go on another team, I said, that's fine. I said, what I'm here to teach your (laughs) (laughs) eight-year-old is fundamentals and fun. Okay? They're going to learn all the positions. They're going to learn the fundamentals. We're going to have some fun. Hopefully, we win some games because I know kids like that. But I'm not here to say we have built a championship roster. That's not what I'm doing at 8, 9, 10 years old. They'll get enough of that when they get a little older. That's not what I was about. We actually at a – you did like a draft for like Little League basketball. There were actually dads pulling off trades at this draft. and and not And you would think it would be trades because Johnny had a friend Jimmy who got picked by another team and he wanted Jimmy to be with – no, it was – they knew who the better players were and they were trying to trade and work them to get them on their team. It just blew my mind, blew my mind. Uh, But you know what we, we see it and now it's so competitive because scholarships are involved. You know, coaches want player uh, kids to be on their team, the soccer team year round or baseball team year round. And the parents know that, man, do they have to do that to stay on this team to have the best chance when in all honesty, Like in football alone, 85% of the players that are drafted were multiple sport athletes all the way through high school. So it is still the best thing for your kid. But unfortunately, the pull from a coach and sometimes a parent is, you got to stay in this sport. This is your best chance to get a scholarship. And and I'm not going to sit there and criticize them. They feel like they're doing what's right for their kid, but it becomes a real push-pull thing
1: no doubt like uh, two more questions about uh, about you know, parenting and stuff and we will go into other things but like what you said right there like every time i talk to a pro athlete or a former athlete right they always say like i put my kids in multiple sports because i yes. want them and you don't want to put strain on their body wrong nope. thing. so and and again you see it from the other parents perspective. like well this is what they love and let's keep them you know let's keep them going and that's fine everybody don't keep up with the joneses just keep up with your own family right, you know, whatever right. that's what the kid wants so love it yep What is something that your kids have taught you either about yourself or about life that maybe kind of didn't know was there until you became a dad? Well, I mean, I think there is kind of that,
0: um, there is the other side of coaching them in in a lot of things because you want to be part of their lives and you think you know what you're doing when you're coaching. And the one thing that inevitably happens, inevitably happens, is you'll coach your kids harder than other kids. Right, because especially in football, because you know my boys were were very fortunate to be really good football players, and they kind of separate. You, you can tell the ones that kind of separate early, so you expect more out of them. But even in the other sports, baseball and basketball, you coach them a little different and a little harder. And, and it's something I learned. And it's the old, you know, if you had to do it over again, I I think that's where I would back off a little bit and just you know let it be more just do your thing out there instead of me trying to coach you harder than the other players. Cause you also don't want to give off the air that you're treating your kids differently than the rest. So sometimes you'll be harder on them, yeah. you know, to show, Hey, I'm not treating them any differently. So, and, and, and so you start to outthink yourself a little bit. So I would say the one thing I learned is, is the old Aaron Rodgers is R E L A X, you know, relax a little bit and just, <laughs> you know, on the kids and don't, don't treat them any, any worse or push them any harder than the other kids. I, I I think, and and I definitely, you know, now that I have a grandson, oh, and it and it is true, you kind of treat your grandson because he's yours, but he's not yours, right? It's your parents' job to discipline them and raise them. It's my job just to have fun with them, right? <laughs> and if you could kind of flip that and do that while you're a parent and they're growing up in little leagues and things like that, it's something that takes time to learn.
1: Nice. I think what you just said right there about, you know, even coaching your kids could be the answer to this next question, but dad hack or piece of advice for new dads or just any parent in general. I mean, cause I feel like there are certain tips that, I, that people, my guests will say that are evergreen, but do you have a piece of advice or a dad hack you'd like to share? With so my
0: I think as parents, you can either decide you want to know what's going on in your kid's life or you don't. Right. I mean, <laughs> like, like my mom when we came back from college, every now and then we'd tell a story, you know, from college and she would be like, I don't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it then. I don't want to hear it now. You were home safely. You made it through. That's all I cared about. And, and that's fine if that's what, what you wanted to do. But we wanted to make sure we were part of our kids' lives. We, we encouraged them to have their friends come over our house so we could meet them and that we'd meet the parents. And we got to know a little bit about the kids. So it wasn't our kids disappearing, you know, to other houses all the time. So that was a big thing with us is we want to be. And and I would imagine if you probably ask our kids, you know, when they're in therapy in 20 years, you know, that they're going to say, my God, mom and dad were there all the time, you know, but that's that's what we wanted to do, you know all their college. Well, I'm sure we don't know everything that went on in college. We knew a lot of what went on in college with them and their friends because we were there all the time. We had place there to, to live while they were there. So we were kind of a surrogate dad to their teammates on the football team, Sydney's teammates and friends in swimming and in volleyball. And the other parents kind of knew that who couldn't come in there all the time. So we were actually the parents that kind of knew all the drama that was going on and all the things. So, that, that that's my biggest piece of, of advice is be involved yep. with your kids. Don't do, you don't, uh, that doesn't mean do everything for them, yep. but be involved with them and be there and show them that you're there and you support them, uh, you know, good or bad. Cause there's going to be a lot of bad, you know, and quite honestly, you can't, you can't succeed unless you fail and get knocked down Then it's how do you get up? So that's probably the biggest piece of advice. And, and again, I understand it's more difficult for others, you know, with parents or two parents at work, single family homes. I yeah. mean, it's it's easy for me to say be there. It's harder to be able to do, and and I get that. But you know, just just showing your your kids that uh, you want to be involved and you want to be there and support them in everything they do.
1: No doubt. Yeah. My wife and I have the same type of mentality where we want the, their friends to come over and meet everybody and all that. And I like that. Also, when you said that you had a place in Notre Dame, I just remember the story you were counting. You and your wife have so much patience. I'm a neat freak. I got that from my mom. But just hearing that one place that you rented out and the guys just trashed that whole place, I was like, and you're like, no, I'm not even touching that. We're gonna go get something else. Kudos to you guys for being patient with that.
0: They 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 squatted in it. I mean, we, we got a we got a townhouse right next to campus and we would be there on game weekends, right? And And Mike and his friends would go over there maybe one day during the week. And then it turned into two days during the week. And then it turned into some of them brought clothes over there, you know. And then they just eventually squatted there and moved in, you know. And I mean, the amount of football players, swimmers, (laughs) volleyball players, um, lacrosse players that not only stayed there but lived there for X amount of time. Yeah. between Mike first getting there in 08 and Sydney graduating in 2016 was astonishing. We ended up selling it to two of the football players who lived in it and they use it as an Airbnb, but to sell it, I swear to you, I wanted to pour bleach on the inside and just light a match because God, I mean, I know some of the stuff that went on there, but like I said, we don't know all the stuff and I can't even fathom how much they have trapped. But cause when you're in college, you have no responsibility and you don't give a damn. Literally the trash can in the garage to the sidewalk where you put it for the trash night <laughs> was 10 feet. They couldn't do it. There were trash bags piled up to the, to the point where there were maggots, there were flies and their solution wasn't take the garbage out. It was hang fly strips up <laughs> and catch the flies on. I'm like, You got to to buy toilet paper. They wouldn't buy toilet paper. They would take it from the football facility, somebody they would go in the stalls and take it and bring it home. They were the laziest, nastiest group, which basically is what college is.
1: Yep. (laughs) No doubt. I was laughing my ass off doing like outdoor, like lawn work and all that stuff. And neighbors are looking at me like, what's wrong with this dude? Because your story was just killing me. So thanks for sharing (laughs) that. Um, Again, appreciate your thoughts. Think that your fatherhood mentality is fantastic. NFL, radio, podcasting, all the stuff that you do, calling games now and all that, college and the NFL. Which for you, because obviously to get to the NFL, you got to be great. To get to where you were at the ESPN, you got to be great. Podcasting, obviously you guys have a great podcast, Golgan Smetty and a whole bunch of others with you know you and your family. But a lot of stuff there. Like, Which was maybe the toughest, not maybe transition, but for you, was, was one of your careers tougher than the other ones?
0: Well, the, the toughest transition was going into a four-hour morning radio show. The easiest thing, and I still do it now and I love it, is calling games. I'm calling a football game. I played football all my life. Yeah, You know, so to get up there and call a game, you know, I could walk into a, into a booth tomorrow and call a game. It's just a matter of knowing the players. and Because I, I always watch a ton of film, get to know players and what they do to prepare. But it was radio. So while I played, you know, I wrestled growing up, you know, I played baseball, ran track, did all those things. It doesn't mean I know the intricacies of them. I know an athlete's thought process. So I could talk about an athlete's thought process in baseball, hockey, basketball, whatever. I get into that and I know the game somewhat. But I had to really deep dive into some of these games and lean on some of the pro athletes I knew when I was playing who played in those sports. To kind of take me into the intricacies of it, because when you're doing a six to 10 morning show, you're not talking football year round. You know, you got to talk baseball, you got to talk hockey, basketball, soccer. So that was probably the most work I had to do was make sure I dove in and knew those other sports. Because when I did local before I went to ESPN, I did local in Phoenix. Now you got to know the middle rotation, you know the Diamondbacks, the third line of the Coyotes, you know. Where nationally you kind of trim, uh, skim the treetops a little bit and hit the bigger stories. Yeah. Locally you got to dive into it, so you got to put your time in and learn that and know that. That was, you know, because you get callers in or people who know the sport, and and you try and BS your way through it, you get found out. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the hardest. Uh, thing to get through was to be adequately prepared to talk all the different sports. Talk, again, talking about athletes, being able to take someone who never played high level sports onto that field, into that locker room, no matter the sport, and talk about the mentality of the player I was always able to do, but talking about the sport uh, itself and the intricacies I had, I had to get, I had to jump in with both feet on that.
1: Nice. A couple more questions before we finish off with the final, quick five. What are you? I mean, there's so many different storylines. Obviously, everyone is knowing about Aaron Rodgers and with the Jets and all that. And now the biggest thing is like the O line. Is that gonna hold up for them? And then like who's gonna, you know, Joe Burrow, what's his status gonna be? And like obviously everybody's trying to go after the champs or the Chiefs. But what are you personally most excited for this NFL season? Like, what are you looking forward to stories story-wise? I, you know, I
0: always love to see somebody different make the, make the jump. And we've seen it almost every year for a while now, at least four teams who didn't make the playoffs make the playoffs. And obviously the biggest storyline is the Jets and what can Aaron Rodgers bring. They brought in some other weapons on offense. They have an excellent defense. So they're always the fun one to watch. Can anybody else in the NFC step up? Because that is – the AFC is really deep. The NFC not so much. It's basically Philly, San Francisco, the Cowboys – not really sure, you know, a few teams after that, but it's not as deep. So, I'm one of the things I'm really interested in is Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy came onto the scene last year as Mister Irrelevant when Trey Lance got hurt, and he played great. And so the job's his. He had offseason elbow surgery. Job's his. He's back in camp. He's fine. Does he pick up where he left off? I mean, because that you know you you don't get the last pick of the draft to step in his rookie year at that position and play that well yep. you know even Tom Brady didn't play right away like that and coming from the sixth round so that was interesting so can he pick up where he left off is definitely one of the bigger storylines to me be because they have a Super Bowl ready roster without question they yep. do um so is, is the expectation that Brock Purdy is going to you know he's still on continuing a six game run of wins with multiple touchdowns. So that's going into this season as well. So that probably is one of the outside of Aaron Rodgers or what can you do for the jets? Can Brock Purdy continue with what he was doing last year?
1: As a Niners fan, I really hope that'll happen. I was just watching the Eagles. Obviously you're, you were cheering for the Eagles and I totally get that. But I was like, like the second quarter, Mike, Brock Purdy can't do anything the back of the fourth Josh string just got hurt i'm like just like christian mccaffrey throw the ball because brock Purdy's in there's like i can't throw more than five yards i'm like it's kind of close and then obviously tempers flare in the third and then it, you know the eagles run away with it but i was like man that's pretty good like the niners are always chasing that quarterback after yeah. i mean you had cap you had you know garcia here and there but like right. after young you were always looking for that Preeminent, like guy to like take the team to the su- Super Bowl, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, you definitely were. Listen, there's a few teams like that. Look at the Denver Broncos after Peyton took them to the Super Bowl; they're still looking. Look at the Colts after Andrew Luck retired; they're on their seventh quarterback starting game one in seven straight years. I mean, it's it's incredible. So, and the listen, Bears we, like, can I have a word with you guys? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so true. So we'll see. I mean, I, it, it'll be an interesting thing for with with Brock getting hurt last year then the backup getting hurt. That's why they're going to let another quarterback dress, you know, so they can, so you don't get to, when I was playing in Philly and we played Washington, we knocked out all their quarterbacks and the running back, Brian Mitchell, had to play quarterback. So while that was great for us, you don't want to see that. You You want to be able to see an actual quarterback in the game.
1: Two more questions before the follow quick five. Again, so many podcasts, people can hear you. Like I said, calling games and all stuff. Love you on God bless football. And again, I think not just with the patience that you have with your kids and also, you know, your friends, kids at Notre Dame, but the patience you have with Stu Gatz with always asking for numbers and all other stuff. And you're not looking for any of that. Like, I just want to like talk to the person. I'm not looking for a name. I feel like you should start a new podcast with him because you need to do another one, but just yeah. give them fake names of people you hung out with the weekend before or fake numbers, have them call up just be like, yeah, I'm not going to do video. I'm just going to do audio because obviously he thought Jake Owen was Aaron Rodgers. So I feel yeah. like he has a few weeks, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. You could pull that off on him again. Yeah. It, yeah. It, He is something because I was never, ever good at getting numbers uh, from players or from celebrities (laughs) or things like that. And Stuels always is able to get a number. But every time somebody comes on, because as he said, he goes, he goes, I'm using, we use your name all the time to get the top coaches and things like that. So I'm usually whenever we get like we had Andy Reid on one time last year and before it even started, I said, Andy, I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> right now I'm going to apologize because Stu Gotts is going to do something stupid during this interview. And I said, you're getting these guys using my name. And then you're embarrassing the hell out of me when they come on, then they're probably never going to want to talk to me again. And, you know, Stu gets his little laugh and, and that's that, but it, it's a fun podcast. We we enjoy doing it.
1: Nice. Another fun podcast. Obviously the ones you do with your family, like how cool, like, you know, and I love the fact you guys, you and your wife are all about family it must be a joy to get a chance to like work with your family and have a podcast and do all those things. Right. Like talk a little about that. So
0: there there's nothing better than, you know, I spent my first year, you know, before I got to ESPN, I I was in Phoenix with a guy named Bruce Jacobs. who I, he still does radio. I go on his show today. Love the guy. Got to ESPN did that first year with Tony Bruno, who I actually knew from Philly, you know, great guy. Work with Greeny, obviously, for all those years, incredibly talented. We had a hell of a run going 17, 18 years. And then with Trey Window, for people yeah. who
1: don't know, that is like to be in radio yeah. and on TV for 17 years, that is legit. So I yeah. just want people to understand, like, how big of a deal that is. Sorry. Trey. Yeah.
0: It, but, it, it, and so that was great. And then Trey uh, was great with him. But then with Trey, it was also my son, Mike. And I can easily say, you know, with all the years I spent doing radio, the best part was when I got to do it with my kid. And we get we do podcasts now for DraftKings as well. So there's nothing like it. I mean, you get to work with your your kid. I mean, so I, like I said, our family is so close. We all talk every day in our family chat. And then to have the sorry in advance podcast, which was my wife's idea. Uh, and it gets harder and harder to do because you know they're having you know Jake and Jenny had a kid, Sydney's pregnant, she's having a kid, her husband's in med school, so it gets harder and harder to do. But when we get us all together, it is, it's just funny, and it's normally Sydney and my daughter in law Jenny who just make us shake our head the most uh, of just hearing stories. But but that we just like to sit around and BS. We don't talk sports. Yeah, you know, we just talk about life, how we grew up, what we're doing now, Jenny's this was the, the 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 most amazing podcast and both stories were in the same podcast. Jenny thought when you took your car to get their tires rotated, that they put the car up on the jacks and just spun your tires. And that was, they just left the tires where they were, didn't actually rotate them, yeah. just spun them. And we're like, Jenny, how long are they spinning and what are they waiting for? And they, they just spin them until they're even. I'm and she literally thought that I, and we were dying. And then Sydney, Sydney had an issue and she had to take a suppository, but she took it by mouth. So, I mean, she's t- telling that whole process. She ended up causing calling poison control. Cause she had no idea that, you know, where it was supposed to go, where <laughs> she took it, trying to call her husband. Who's in med school. Who's just saying, what kind of an idiot are you? You know, I mean, Just things like that that come up in little stories. It was uh, a lot of fun. And wherever we can do it, we like to do it. And uh, as I said, the family just keeps growing. But um, it just keeps us together and keeps us in communication.
1: It's so good. People should definitely check out uh, the episodes. Thank you very much. Followed quick five. Here we go. Favorite family movie. Do you guys have one?
0: Favorite family movie? I would say be Hangover. Uh, (laughs) We all love Hangover. All love Hangover. Mike is great at always reciting lines of movies. But that one coming right
1: out of the gate, I would say from a family standpoint, that would be right there. Nice. I feel like any 70s band, maybe uh, Gordon Lightfoot, but music or genre of music you couldn't wait to introduce your kids to.
0: Oh, 70s for sure. Because like I said, Sydney, uh, I mean, just knows all the songs and I love seeing it. And the boys do too, because we played it a lot around them, but we play a lot of, you know, on on XM, uh, you know, I hit the 70s station and leave that on a lot and that's, 70s and 80s but but mostly 70s uh and i'm so proud my kids know a lot of it
1: (laughs) describe the perfect family vacation where would it be
0: we had boy there were two that were great for us and we went with another family one was active the other was not so it depends on what you're looking for the active one we did was a safari which was probably one of the greatest trips we ever took to uh, um you know, out to Tanzania and, and incredible safaris. I mean, just the beauty of it was unbelievable. And then another time we went to Anguilla where we all stayed in, in one spot together. And that was just a sit by the pool or sit on the beach, sipping drinks, going on a boat ride and and just chilling. So those are the two best. And if you want to relax, it was a great place to go. But if you want to be active, man, the safari was was still, I would say, probably the best trip we took.
1: Nice. Now, I know your answer would probably be something with pretty much all of your kids at Notre Dame. Take them out, because I know that'd be up there. But for you personally, it doesn't even have to be a game that you've been in or participated in, whatever. But favorite Notre Dame moment for you outside your kids and what they've done in school and in sports? Do you have one? Hmm. Favorite Notre Dame moment. I would
0: probably have to say, so I don't get in trouble. I met my wife on the first day of school. She went to, she went to St. Mary the first day of school, our freshman year, we were walking to the freshman dance, my group and her group. we And we literally just about all ran into one another. And we were, uh, we met each other then. And we were basically friends, uh, very good friends for, you know, dating into my NFL career and got married my third year in. So the moment that probably created all the other moments, that was probably it. You know, before I met her, my years at, you know, my years at Notre Dame football were okay. But before I met her, you know, probably, you know, Bob's when my brother, Bob won the national championship when they beat Texas in 77. um, That was before I got there. Uh, When I got there, again, there wasn't much on the football field. So obviously meeting her uh, was, was the key thing there. And then, Listen, any one of my, any one of my kids games. Yeah, you're right. I couldn't pick one of those. No doubt.
1: Awesome. Oh, no, that's a great moment. And lastly, top three words you hope your, your kids would use to describe you as a dad. What would you want them to be?
0: Um, Loving, supportive and um, you know, tough. Nice. You know, I, I don't think they're, you know, and I don't mean, you know, crazy tough, but I mean, you know, you can't just, there still has to be, the parent, well, I mean, we're friends now, but there still has to be the parent-child relationship growing up. Um, But if you're tough on them, but if you love them and are supportive of what they do, I think it all works out.
1: The tough love where you give them tools to succeed once they get out of the nest, right? That's the yeah. type of tough love. Yeah. love they yeah.
0: yeah, they're going to have to know it or they're going to go out of the nest and not have any idea about that. When they get knocked down, they're going to be like, what the hell do I do
1: now? Or just rotate their tires by the
0: Oh, hand. God. <laughs>
1: Wow! People, make sure you follow Mike on uh, Twitter at Golik and then Instagram at Golick Senior. And whatever podcast, check out his podcast like Golik and Smitty, the one he does with his son. And God bless football wherever you get your podcast. Again, I know we went so over the time, but it was really an honor to chat with you. And I wish you and your family continued success, sir. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thanks. I want to thank this week's sponsor, Cordell & Cordell, for sponsoring the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Really appreciate their support. For more information on them, go to their website at cordellcordell.com. And while you're on the internet, make sure you check out the Art of Fatherhood website at artoffatherhood.net. You can check out the latest podcasts, and you can also check out the weekly columns such as The Dad's Doing It Right, The Collector of the Week, Bonus Interviews, Giveaways, Reviews articles I've written with my family, and so much more. Make sure you go to artoffatherhood.net and also please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcast because that would help spread the word about the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and go to artoffatherhood.net.